We start with grand opening, grand closing. Wemby made his debut and played kind of rough. Uh, he played 27 minutes, went two for 13. So I know what you're thinking, Brew. I've got to abandon my guy. Maybe oh, I'll become a me? check guy with no. Wilds. But wrong. Fast forward to game two, and he played great. In 27 minutes this time, he had 27 points, 12 rebounds, and three blocks. Here's the full tale of the tape. Game one, pretty, pretty bad. And game two, pretty good. So, Brew, what was your official reaction to this pair of games? Guys, I thought it was a perfect weekend for Wimbenia. Well, it was. because really. So better than he, if he played well twice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Because cool. he needed to face some adversity. Okay, well. Everybody's been throwing flowers at him. Right. All right. Yeah. Oh, the best prospect ever. Yeah. We've never seen anything like this. Going to be the GOAT. All of that. That's you. You've been no, that. no. I, I'm just going off what everybody else, the, the executives in the league, the anonymous sorts are saying. Oh. Uh-huh. All right, I'm just saying what they said. Uh-huh. All people saying this, and he's a mature kid. It looks like he's really mature, 19 yeah. years old, but mature. But he's human. And if you're hearing all of this, if you just dominated a bunch of grown men in France, you come in thinking you're all that. And he learned quickly how strong he's got to get, how much weight he's got to put on, and that how hard he's going to have to work to be effective in American basketball. And then he adjusted even a little bit in a few days. And in game two, obviously played much better. So I thought it was a good overall week. And I am glad that he struggled initially and, of course, came back. Now, I'd be a little... It's summer league, but still, be a little more disappointed if he struggled again in game two. Mm-hmm. But he came back and played well. I saw nothing, and we can get into some of the more specifics, but, Nick, I saw nothing. What I came away thinking is once this kid puts some weight on, mm-hmm. just a little. He's not going to get huge. He's going. But just a little bit. Get stronger. Just growing into his body, which obviously that's yeah. a big body to grow into. But okay. getting his natural strength, once he does that, I see nothing okay. to tell me he's not going to be a superstar. Okay, so I, let's get to the weight in a moment. This is ex- almost exactly what I expected he would look like. Immediately impactful and knowing exactly what he wants to do defensively and a total wild card offensively. He is not going to have a lot of those. I mean, he was, it wasn't just the shooting numbers. He was loose with the ball. He was getting pushed around. He looked out of sorts in game one, Mm -hmm. which also I think was the fact that he hadn't played basketball in six weeks. or probably the longest, you know, the rustiest he's going to be. Uh, And then he's also not going to typically be as good as he was the next game because he is not yet. A good, let alone a great shooter. He could be because the form is there, and Brew has pointed this out, and I think this does matter. The free throw percentage being so good makes you believe eventually he will be. But everyone compares him to Durant. Durant was 40% from three in college. Durant, now his rookie year, he actually struggled from three. He was like 29%. But you watch Durant in Texas, you're like, that is a professional scorer that is always going to be able to score. And this is one of the... I left this weekend very confident that Scoot's going to be Rookie of the Year. I left this weekend very confident that folks who are, and we're going to talk about the MVP stuff, Mm. that are expecting him to walk into the league and be awesome are setting themselves up for disappointment. You, we have talked about the Shaq comp. Shaq was three years at LSU. Jordan was three years at Carolina. Kareem was four years at UCLA. Now, LeBron and Luka walked in pretty awesome offensively immediately. And even Kyrie. The, Remember, he was, what, 11 games at Duke? Sh- sure, but those and guys were. Well. Kyrie was refined is the wrong I know word, he's not but, those but, guys, but an but. offensive, you know, it was his specialty. LeBron and Luka are such different players because it's about court vision and they already had the NBA body. They both came into the league thick and strong right. and big. And so you guys, Brew brought up the weight thing. You saw, I assume, I, we can show it, what his agent said. I, we're not focused at all on weights. I don't want to put weight on his body. 
were going to fight to not put weight on his body. Weight on his body is a big mistake. We focus on strength, core. When did he say that? This was, I mean, it was in an article with Mark Spears that, that posted this weekend. So I, I think that's a mistake because here is the He's thing. Need a Here's the thing that I think we would agree on. If he is going to be effective offensively, immediately. It's going to be close to the basket, not far from the basket. Mm-hmm. And right now, he's not strong enough for that. So, again, I'm not out on Wimby. I'm out on the overwhelming hype that I think has been put on him thus far. Let me play you uh, sound after game one. Get your reaction about this, bro. Take a listen. Honestly, I, di- I didn't really know what I was doing on the court tonight, but uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I'm trying to learn for the next games, and the, the important is to be ready for, for the season. So he, he pretty much bombed game one. He was totally confident right. in the Offensively. Uh, post-game meeting or post-game press conference. At the same time, I know you were like, ah, he's going to struggle offensively. He just came over. There's not been practices. They don't have plays. Do, you don't think that he can be dominant offensively it, once – Pop is there. They know what they're doing. He knows where to be on the court. I, I think he's going to score Forward. offensively because he didn't know his teammates. They had already been playing without him. And summer league typically is dominated by guards. And you could see, particularly in game two, I love the way he was flashing to the middle of the paint or even on the post. Like, he's not going to just stand there and post up, but he was flashing to mm-hmm. his spots. Had the guards been getting him the ball in a timely fashion, I think he would have been more effective and impressive in the post. And he's going to learn when he couldn't do anything in traffic. He didn't even rebound well no, in traffic I, other than that one I, where he tipped it to himself and dunked it. it. Yeah. But he's because of his frame he and his lack of strength, he couldn't do anything in traffic. And he's going to learn he can catch it in the middle of the paint and turn around and shoot it without putting it on the floor. Mm-hmm. Don't put it on the floor and get him a chance to get the ball. He'll learn all of that, and he will be effective uh, early. <laughs> I think he'll be effective Sorry. in his first I, so year offensively. I, this is my concern for him offensively. I think for him to be a good, forget great, a good offensive player, one of two things is going to have to happen. He is going to have to either get much stronger He's going to have or to a much better jump shot. One of those two, I believe, maybe both, will eventually happen. Neither is going to happen in the next nine months. To be good offensively? So what do you envision him averaging I, offensively? You know, I, I initially said you know, that I thought he was going to be an 18-8 and eight guy. I think depending on if the Spurs, you know, run a lot of stuff through him, I think he still could be around that. But I don't – so, again, I'm talking about the expectations of he is not just number one pick expectations, but transcendent talent expectations. What is being put on this guy Mm -hmm. is if a decade in, he has one league MVP and one championship, people will say he's a disappointment. But. What do you mean, nah? One, if he gets well, a the expectations. If are, he has, if, if, if through ten years, I mean, he has won one title and won one MVP, people will say, ah, little, little underwhelming, a little just. That's Kevin Durant's career. But, but I, but and that's being called that's the greatest down, prospect ever. But that's down the line. But I, if if he averages, I don't know if anybody's expecting him to come in right away and take over the league. I, I think people. I mean, he's the he's supposed but, to win Rookie of the Year. I don't think he. I, will. I think he's got a great I, chance to win Rookie of the Year because defense. He's going to be I, a great defender right away, and that's so, going to weigh into the no, award. No, I, and we are in total lockstep on that. I just and again, I just want to be clear here because it was a weird thing after the first game. After the first game, a lot of our colleagues on social media were like, "Oh, I guess he's a bust now." Everyone's already overreacting. I was like, "I don't think anyone actually has that take. I don't think anyone watched the first game." was like the guy stinks just random, but I yeah. do think it is fair to ask this question if right now he can get pushed around and he is not a great shooter and they are not going to have him back to the basket just trying to do oh, like yeah. a version of the cream skyhook is the offense going to be far clunkier than people think I think the answer to that is yes I don't think I think you could be one of the best ball handlers in the league, and at 7-5, you're not going to have a right. great handle. Mm. And I think he wants to be out on the perimeter. I think all he'll of that learn. stuff he is won't. He, I don't think he'll be trying to show off his handle and things like Not with Popovich. Because you're right. Look, for a 7-5 guy, 
He's a tremendous ball handler. Right. For your average NBA player or perimeter guy, yep. he's he's a solid. Right. He's not great. So here's Kenny Smith on his expectations for Wembenyama. I'm gonna go a little further. In year four, he'll be the MVP of the league. Whoa! Watch out now. Nah, I can't go that far. In four years, he will know the league. There will be no LeBron James. Right. There will be no Steph Curry. There will be no Kevin Durant at their heights. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I don't, I, I don't know what we're doing. And I, I love Kenny. I think that is insane. Why? Okay, so it would we he will be in year four. He will have just turned during that season twenty three. So in the last forty some years, mm-hmm. there's been one MVP that young. That was Derrick Rose. As far as the best players we've seen, Durant won his MVP in year seven. LeBron won his first in year six. Jordan is the only one of the last forty years to win one in their first four years. And Jordan, as we've said, A is Michael Jordan, and B had three years of college. I, this is what I'm talking about. This if 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 we have Kenny Smith, who is I, I think as smart as anyone on TV talking basketball. And I think his, his opinion carries massive weight. They, he actually is on your favorite show's favorite show, Inside That's the true. NBA. Uh, if he's saying this, he's priming the audience that if this guy is Kevin Durant through four years, he's disappointing. That's crazy But, to Nick, me, people are just going off of what they're seeing, but, and they're giving I, honest opinions. Jerry West... Probably the greatest judge of talent in basketball history. Mm-hmm. Certainly in the argument. He compared him after game one to Bill Russell. Jerry West mm-hmm. to Bill Russell. Now, that was before he saw him go for 27 and 12 in game two. So, I think he was overhyping the defense maybe, right? Yeah. Like, he's going to make a defensive impact. Bill Russell obviously wasn't a great shooter and things like sure. that. So, I think he was looking at that. Mm-hmm. But then when you see the offense come in game two. Now, I'm not necessarily, Nick, predicting he's the MVP in season four. What I'm pushing back from your statement is that it's ludicrous to say this. Luka Doncic in his first four years was the favorite to win the MVP twice. Now, he finished in the top five twice in his first four years. LeBron finished in the top five twice in his first four years. So. People thought Luka was going to win the MVP one of nope. those years in his first four years. He yeah. didn't, and but he was correct. thought he could. He was, he was, and now, so to think, like, I, I'm telling you, I, you could see the raw material there so, that once he learns the league, once yeah. he gets used to the NBA game, once he gets a little stronger, this guy is going and, to be dominant. And so this is, and this is where I will be clear that I guess I'm on the more skeptical side on the Wimbanyama, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bell curve. He is not as good. He might be as better long term than Luca. He is not as NBA ready as Luca was. No. He is not as NBA ready as LeBron was. So for those, you're right. Those guys were legit MVP candidates. After their second year. I do not think he is going to be that. Now, if people want to argue he has more upside than Luka because he, does, he can clearly. be dominant on both sides of the ball, I'll listen to that, that argument. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about Luka up in, you know, after the Western Conference Finals run about him being one of the five greatest offensive well, you players. In, well, not we. Hold on. I don't think we – now I don't mean me and you. I just mean the NBA No, but you community. and me talk, had the discussion about him being one of the five best offensive players ever. We, that, the, the, and we talked about how the defense could hurt him, all of that, because of what he had done through his first five years. I do not believe Victor Wembanyama is going to be a, a good plus offensive player for the first two years of his oh, career. I, I, look, I, I don't think, believe I that. think Wimbanyama will begin to play at an all-star level. Now, he may not make the all-star, but an all-star level either toward the second half of his rookie year That's right. or in his, first, in his second year at, at the latest. Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. who was 215 pounds as a rookie and 6'11", so he was thin, he averaged 15.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, Almost two and a half blocks yes. or like 55% shooting over the last two months of his rookie year. Took him a little while. This kid 
second half of his rookie year, he will begin to show all-star form and play at that level. If you want to see more of Wemby, well, you can't. You're going to have to wait. After two games, he's done for Summer League. Here's Wembenyama after game two. Take a listen. In the past month, uh, I I think basketball wasn't even 50% of my schedule. That was, you know, I I can't stand it. I know it's it's, it's a special moment in my life, but it's... I'm glad it's over. Honestly, it's, I just want to hoop. I know I got I to gotta talk with Pop. Uh, I'm going to listen to what he's going to say, but I'm ready to, I'm ready to make any sacrifice for the team and uh, give 100%. Uh, he is so impressive in these interviews. Yeah. It, it is shocking that he's 19. All right, Brew, are you okay with shutting Wembenyama down? I mean, I'm not going to kill it because obviously he, you know, you could get hurt and the Spurs know what they're doing. But I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Because, and I know he's been busy since the draft. It's been a rough month for him. And the French finals ended in June, kind of like our finals. So he's been playing a lot of ball. But this is, to me, just too cautious. All right? He clearly, and I think Nick will agree with this, needs to play. He needs to be playing the American brand of basketball so he can figure out how much stronger he needs to get. He was losing his balance on his dribble uh, several times. That's because of the speed of the game. You're getting, you're playing faster. Your handle has to, you have to do it against faster and quicker players, and you're moving as fast as you can when in France maybe you can do it a little slower. So he's got to get used to that. All right, so he's going to have – Plenty of time after Summer League. I'm not saying he had to play every game, but plenty of time after Summer League to rest and get in the weight room and get stronger and all that. Let the kid play. And I'm a firm believer that you build up a resistance uh, to the impact and the strain that you put on your body in a basketball game by playing more, not by playing less. And the injuries we see now – with all these dudes load managing, are ridic- we're load managing summer league. Okay. It's just, it's so ridiculous. I agree with the long-term sentiment of everything Bruce said. I'm a big believer of don't wear your coat in November. That prepares you to, you know what I mean, not be that cold <laughs> in December. Yeah, uh, that's and uh, and it's, that's the sports worst. version of it. Here is why I, despite all of that, totally agree with this decision. I, now, I, want him, I don't want him to be load managed as a rookie once the regular season starts, any of it. Um. Uh, Summer League guys too reckless. Oh. Guys are literally playing for their NBA lives. They're going to be a little less coordinated. There's going to be more diving for loose balls, which you don't even want in regular season games. And that is where guys get hurt. Particularly a guy who is 7'5". And anybody, you know what I mean? Anytime he falls, it's going to take some while to get used to him. He's been falling his whole life. We've only been watching him fall a little bit. Every time it's like, oh, my God. That's on us. Of course. No, I understand. But it is still, I, the same reason that at training camp, you're not even allowed to, when NFL teams have 90 guys out there for training camp. It's, you're never allowed to touch the quarterback. We've seen videos of guys getting yelled at for just coming close to the quarterback. Because guys who are desperate and trying to impress are going to play. I'm not talking about that, but are going to play a little out of control. Would you be okay if you wore a red jersey? Well, so that's, that's the thing. And so <laughs> in summer league, I'm fine with them shutting him down. But I, one of the reasons I believe Scoot's going to win rookie of the year is I, don't, I think they're, he's going to miss – 20 games his rookie missed, season. Because of injury? Game. What? No, because they hold See, him I, out. The oh, one I thing I, I, No, I'm talking, okay. I'm Scoot's saying. Already missed, missed I know, but the, I understand where you're coming from, and obviously with the Spurs, yeah. you have to consider that. I also would think that they would plan, they wouldn't plan on, I don't they, they may not care about individual awards. But I don't think they'd plan on him not even being eligible He's be for eligible. rookie of the year. I, I think their goal is probably 65, 65 games. The exact 65 numbers. So well, Pop's that. not down with load managing. He, he was the impetus of, like, I want Kawhi out there playing. Well, yeah, but, he, he was, but he started load management. But the way he did it with Duncan and those guys was they would play 80 games or so, yeah. but it would be lesser minutes, 30 minutes like or 35, three minutes or something like that. Hey college football fans, Joel Klatt here, and I am so happy to announce my new interview series, The Joel Klatt Show Big Noon Conversations. Every Monday, we will bring you a candid conversation with the most influential voices in college football. From Colorado's Coach Prime to Coach Saban down in Tuscaloosa, 
we sit down and discuss all things college football. Download the Joel Klatt Show Big Noon Conversations wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the new Joel Klatt Show YouTube channel. Well, we've got a treat for you today. This is a treat. Because usually the most motivating segment in all sports is on Thursday. But since Brew is not going to be here the next two days. Couldn't be motivated to come to a full week of work. No, exactly. We had to move it up. (laughs) It's also the time we had to move up the letter writing, too. Oh, we got a letter. Okay. Yeah. We get a lot of physical mail. We're always willing to address your comments and concerns if you want to send us a letter. Okay, I was going to say. (laughs) Stuck. Dear Wilds, love the show. Had to express mail this letter because the bud list is early. What's the deal? Is Brew already load managing and criticizing NBA players (laughs) (laughs) that do the same? Thanks, Don and Don. Wow. Yeah. Okay. For the record, you know who I criticize for load management? In most of the cases, the team, the organization. Wow, on hubs. Players want to play a lot of them. It's the teams that want to keep them out because of the science. Right. Is that what's happened here? Yeah. My wife kept me. My wife booked this (laughs) vacation, so I had to go. I'm trying to stay happy here. All right. At number three on this week's bud list, Zion Williamson. Zion, it's time to put up or shut up, my man. All right, this is five years in. I, I think people are forgetting that. This is his fifth year that coming is, up. That's crazy. It does sound crazy because we've only seen him for what? I don't know, a year and a half, two years of real play, of full games. All right, so Zion, I like the fact that you went on Gilbert Arenas' podcast. Shout out to Gilbert. And you took responsibility for what's going on in your first four years for missing so many games. You admitted there are a lot of things you could do differently. I salute you for that. Some, though, might look at it like there were a few excuses in there. When they asked you about your diet, you said, well, I'm young, only 22. I got all the money in the world. How can I be expected to eat right? Here's the deal, Zion. The great ones get it done. Okay, Charles Barkley lost 50 pounds early in his career so he could become a great one. LeBron James still, after having accomplished just about everything imaginable in basketball, is still working out hard, eating right, doing everything it takes to be the best he can. You can have your fun, too. You can have your fun, too, but you got to work out. Zion, it's a question of this. Do you love the game or do you love what the game brings? The fame, the money, the females. Okay, you got to love the game, my man, and you have a chance to turn this thing around, but it must start now. Zion, I believe in you. Let's put up and not shut up. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I believe in you. You can get it done. I believe in you this year. All right. At number two, Chris Paul. Oh, all right. Oh, Oh, that looks so weird. Well, yeah, that's what it's going to be like. And look, Chris. I understand you not embracing wholeheartedly coming off the bench. You've never done it in your life. And to be honest, as a six-foot point guard, for you to become one of the greatest players ever, you had to have an ego that said you could get it done against all odds. So I get it. But here's a way I'm going to share with you a way, a thing you can do to quell that ego, to put it in check so you can do what's best for you and for your new team, the Golden State Warriors. Chris, look in the mirror and say, I'm 38 years old. I'm 38. Isaiah Thomas had been retired five or six years when he was 38, the the legendary Isaiah Thomas. All right? Tiny Archibald's last game, he was 35. Steve Nash only played 42 games after turning 38 years old. All right, so there is no shame in coming off the bench behind an all-time great player at 38 years old. No one is expecting you to be the old Chris Paul at this point in your career. So if you can embrace that and understand and accept that, then go out there and do what you've always done, which is put winning first. And if it means coming off the bench to help your new team, so be it. Chris, I believe in you. All right, at number one, Josh Allen. Oh. Oh. 
Josh Allen has wowed us. Even Nick Wright has been wowed. He oh, might not wow. admit it, but wowed us all with his cannon that he has for an arm, Josh. With the way you can run at times, looking like a running back. The stiff arm of a Derrick Henry at times. All that that has gotten you is this year's Madden cover. This upcoming season, you're on the cover of Madden, my man. All right? So it's been great. But great quarterbacks are not judged by their excitement quotient or by their endorsements or being on the cover of a video game. They are judged by Super Bowls, okay? And and you haven't won one, obviously. You haven't even been to one. Mm. And some people say your window is shut. (laughs) A man on this desk is saying that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is your roster is as good as the kingpins, the Kansas City Chiefs. What's not as good is the quarterback. And you know what? There's no shame in not being Patrick Mahomes. But for a player of your caliber, there is shame in not being within shouting distance of Patrick Mahomes. So, Josh, if you can cut down the turnovers, Mm. if you can, if this is necessary, mend the fences with Stephon Diggs, And if you can go out there and be close to Patrick Mahomes, then you guys have a shot at getting to the Super Bowl and maybe even winning it. Josh, and I mean this, I believe Oh, of course you do. I mean, you've lived in upstate New York. You picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl and win it. Picked them to be MVP. To be clear, I did not say Josh Allen's window is shut. I said this iteration of the Bills' window is shut. I think that the new window will open with with Josh Allen at one point, but maybe with a different coach, maybe with different guys around him. Okay. I am adding an entire organization to the bud list. The Los Angeles Angels. I'm adding you to the bud list. And here is why. You know, sports are funny, and you guys know I do believe in the sports gods. And something happened at the All-Star game last night that I thought might have altered West Coast baseball's future in a way that's really unimaginable. And that was what seemed like a good idea. The Mariners fans recruiting Shohei Otani to their team from a divisional rival who they are a whole one game up in the standings on this year (laughs) because everyone believes, well, Shohei is not going to stay with the Angels. And if he's not going to stay, well, then the Angels should trade him to get some prospects back. Everyone who's saying that seems to also be saying this. Shohei is the greatest player in the history of the sport. I have this odd take. If the greatest player in the history of sports on your team, you should try to keep him. So here's how you try to keep him. You are active at the deadline. You are a buyer, not a seller. Two weeks ago, you were in the playoff picture. Now you have lost 9 of 10. You have lost 5 straight. But all is not lost. You're 5 games out of the wild card at the break. Mike Trout will be back before the end of the season. It's a four to eight week injury, not a four to eight month injury, his wrist. You will quite literally never have a better player than Shohei Otani. He's currently on your team. I don't think necessarily you have to win the World Series for him to stay there. But if you go all in on this season and make the postseason, maybe go on a short little postseason run, maybe he then stays. But trading Otani, when you're not even going to get this massive return because anyone who trades for him knows he could then leave Eh. a few months later, I wouldn't do it. it. It's a good addition, but I think he's out of there. Because their problem hasn't been talent. Mike Trout's obviously been there, can't stay healthy. They had Joe Madden at one point, great manager. Uh, Anthony Rendon kind of hadn't been helped. Like, they just seem to be snake-bitten. And I do think, Nick, that he's getting – I think he's leaving as a free agent. So, I do think they should trade – they should offer him six, seven hundred million, whatever their deal is going to be. And if he turns it down, says, I want to wait till after the season, you got to trade him and get get the return. Well, I disagree. I have a final addition. I'm putting basketball celebrations – Basketball celebrations? Yeah, That's on the bud Well, I know, specifically Summer League. And I know if you're in Summer League, you have to give the right answers. I want to work on my conditioning, Wembenyama said. I want to work on my rebounding. I want to work on the flow of the game. No one's going to come right out and say, you know what I need to work on? A signature celebration. <laughs> if I told you, hey, 
Give me the best celebrations. You would say, oh, Russ has rocked the baby. I've seen it for 20 years. Oh, LeBron's the finisher. I've seen that for a long time, too. The too small, I've seen it for, for decades. Because yeah. next thing you know, last night, the uh, Midsummer Classic, baseball sneaking in. Sneaking in, and it's no longer just bat flips. Baseball now has the best celebrations. You hit a home run, yes. go to the dugouts, and what do you do? Put on a full-on costume. <laughs> Here's Otani, and we've got Joey Votto for the Red Hot Reds. He gets to wear a, a, like a Vikings cape and Vikings horns. Yeah. And uh, who's our last one? Oh, Vlad gets a nice blazer. You know, it's like kind of a business outfit. <laughs> and you think, well, that's just costumes, you know. Basketball has the best celebrations. Baseball agrees, but they're taking your celebrations. Here's Acuna with a chain doing his too small diamond encrusted. <laughs> <laughs> then Jazz last month at Fenway hit a home run, hit Euro steps across. He's been doing this for years, but every around the whole bases he was hitting jump shots and uh, Euro steps. And then the most electrifying man. In all of sports, Ellie De La Cruz wins games by throwing alley oops to his friend, <laughs> who then dunks it. So I know there's a lot to work on if you're a rookie in the NBA. You've got to play defense. You need team chemistry. You got to work on your jump shot. Do not forget the celebration. No one's going to tell you it's important, but it's very important. So they're all celebrations on the buzz. That was good. That was really That's what they want in baseball, right? Making it fun. Yeah. Full on costumes. Showing that personality. But no, notice that they all are copying basketball celebrations. You know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah. That's a, when's the basketball numbers. player going to hit a home run? Well, no, there's one Australian rules football one. <laughs> oh, soccer fans are you ready for the 2023 fifa women's world cup as we are that's right australia new zealand look out state of the union is coming and we'll be going above and beyond down under we'll have new podcast episodes every single match day so follow alexi lawless's state of the union on the fox app youtube or wherever you get your podcasts it's time now for a special segment since we have greg here in for brassard future patriot deandre hopkins Still a free agent. In this special segment, Greg will list the top five landing spots for DeAndre Hopkins. Greg, take it away. Well, let's just start with number five. We were just kind of talking about this team and who they oh. should sign at running back. It's the New York Giants. I like that. And the reason why I got D-Hop looking at the New York Giants, is it's simple. When you look at what Daniel Jones was able to do, like with – no one that you probably even know playing at the wide receiver position, it was okay. It was subpar. It allowed them to get to the postseason, allowed them to win a postseason football game. But look at those stats right there. 26th in passing yards per game, last in 20-plus yards completions down the field. Touchdowns, you got to be better. If you are trying to have an alpha guy, and I understand you acquired Paris Campbell coming off one of his best seasons in, in with the Colts. Now he's a giant. Mm -hmm. You've acquired other guys. You're trying to lock up Saquon Barkley. Why not? Why not go and acquire a guy that ensures you have a number one alpha at the wide receiver position that will assist your quarterback taking the next step? I like, I like D Hop with the New York Giants, he improves their offense immediately. At number four, do you want to add No, anything? no, you keep going. Oh, I want to hear your top four or your top five. At are. number four, I got the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to tell you why I got the Tennessee Titans here is because D-Hop has let it be known he's about that money. He's not really trying to take any type of pay cuts. Yeah. He's trying to make sure that he guarantees those dollar, dollar bills. One of the reasons why I don't mind the Tennessee Titans is because DeAndre Hopkins, out of all the receivers that I've seen play in this NFL, he can play with any quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis, uh, Malik Willis. It doesn't matter who you have on the center. Just find a way to get him the ball, and he'll make it happen. You look at the leading receiver for this team last year, he's no longer there. That's Robert Woods. He's with the Texans. You look at their young trailer Burks kid he only had 400 some yards 30 something receptions like the production wasn't there this was a team that never even decided to look outside the numbers and throw the football why because they didn't like what they saw if you want to look what like what you see get a guy like d hop put him outside the numbers and let your quarterback just throw the ball up he'll make plays for him I'm talking about at number three 
Who is it? Wild? Don't do it. Absolutely. I got to do it. The New England Patriots, again, hey, you, you talk about you a team that, that D-Hop can just go there and make a quarterback better. What other team would would not like to have yeah, that? Exactly. Your Patriots. Bailey Zappi being probably their starter in yeah. week one. I know you. <laughs> Mac valid. Jones, like again, their leading receiver, Jacoby Myers, he's gone. He's in he's with the Raiders. Yep. Like these are teams that can immediately have a guy at number one. I know you acquired Juju Smith Schuster yeah. coming over from Kansas City. Work. He gives you production, <laughs> he gives you a solid possession receiver, but he's not gonna make a big splash when you talk about Mac Jones at the quarterback position. We've seen Juju Smith Schuster try to fill those number one receiver voids. When Antonio Brown left, yeah. mm -hmm. it didn't work well. He's not a number one guy. I love his production. When he has a number one guy, bringing a guy like sure. D Hop you ensure that your quarterback is going to take a step at least close so, to the right so direction. Who should be ahead Mac of Jones. The, the Patriots? Right. At number two, the Buffalo Bills. Oh, wow. You Look, I understand D-Hop is not trying to take any discounts. Too cold. However, too it's not even about it being too cold. When you look at why oh, they don't man, even man, have man. their number one seat receiver in the building, that guy being Stephon Diggs, yeah. it's his level of frustration with what's going on with the guy that's his sidekick, or supposed to be a sidekick. Gabe Davis, a guy who I actually liked going into last season, but did not, even though even though the numbers are decent as far as yards and touchdowns, but the 48 receptions, the inability to take pressure off a 1,400-yard receiver in Stephon Diggs. Not that Stephon Diggs needs you to take some pressure off of him, but with last time we saw the Buffalo Bills, what were they lacking? Guys yeah. to get the ball to. Outside of Stephon Diggs, that was it. If you bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you ensure you're going to give defenders and defensive coordinators problems because now you got to choose. Who are you going to try to stop? D-Hop, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen with the biggest arm in the National Football okay. League and running the ball. That was a little jab yeah. at Nick. Right, but Nick, who's number one? Number one. I know you might not be a fan of this because you feel like your Kansas City Chiefs got it all under control, but I like the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to throw you a little bone here. Please. Just to jumpstart your three-peat. Oh, there it is. That's why there we got D-Hop going there. there jumpstart Nick's three-peat. Look, yeah. De DeAndre Hopkins automatically, in my opinion, will ascend the Kansas City Chiefs. Not that they need it, to the Super Bowl. They you, just won the Super they Bowl. They just won and they want to go back to back. Yeah. You look at you listen to Nick, yeah, they, they want to they can three-peat. It's yeah. a guarantee. That's, you get a guy like D Hop, I understand your point of allowing some of these young guys to take a step in the mm -hmm. right direction and get more playing time and expose them to that. However, yeah. it's about winning and winning now. And your window doesn't grow it starts to shrink. It starts to sure. close. Mm -hmm. If you get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, pair him with uh, Travis Kelsey. Well, Patrick certainly Mahomes, where DeAndre wants to go. I mean, you know where he doesn't want to go, and those are the two teams that have offered him, but that he oh, we had a delightful him. visit. Okay, it was a month ago, and he still hasn't signed. Uh, can I? Chris Jones signed? But the, well, he's on the roster. He literally is signed. He just hasn't. He, <laughs> he literally, is yes. Uh, all right. Can I? So, I thought the Giants were an interesting one. Because we talked all year about how they didn't have receivers. Correct. And, and Kadarius Tony, who could he play for and win a Super Bowl? Uh, but the, they got rid of him. Richie James gone. Now, they did draft Jalen Hyatt, but I would almost think you would want him to learn from a veteran as well. So, I like that. There are two teams you didn't mention that I'm going to throw out to you get your take on. Okay. And then Wilds can uh, go wherever he wants to go on this. One is Cleveland. And it is not just because Deshaun Watson is there, and obviously he was awesome with Deshaun, but it's because they don't have a true number one, in my opinion. Go ahead. Cleveland? Yeah, I, you think Amari Cooper this year is going to be a true number one? Yes. Okay. You, All right. Well, then they, even okay. okay, they could have. He would still help Donovan Peoples-Jones, their number two, right, and right Elijah now. Elijah Moore. The, so you don't think they need? They could use. I'm not DeAndre saying they Hopkins. couldn't use Deshaun Watson or uh, DeAndre, Deshaun, Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. The relationship is something that I feel like will be more enticing sure. because of their experience with one another. I just feel like the I feel like if you're the Browns, you 
gave up all that for Deshaun. Last year was a disaster. And if you're Stefanski, you have to win immediately. Like this could, and so they, they are incentivized to be more of a microwave it all in. And the one other team, you mentioned this team actually, is the Las Vegas Raiders. In that you have Devontae, who's awesome. You have Renfro, who is a very good slot receiver. Mm-hmm. I know they have Jacoby Myers. I get that, and they spent money on him, so that's probably not something they would do. But if I'm the Raiders, another coach who's under pressure, you have a very limited quarterback in yeah. Jimmy G. If you could have Devontae and DeAndre on the outside with Renfro on the inside, maybe that would be enough firepower. Uh, but those teams, so those teams haven't been connected to him, but those were two of the teams that I would, if I were running them, I would at least kick the tires on DeAndre Wilds. Oh, I thought that was great. Didn't make a ton of sense. But uh, because you're Patriots, you well, I'll one. just give we can put Greg's list back up. I yeah. feel like we're still number one. I'll address your concerns. Sure. All right, here are the Raiders, Josh McDaniels. If he wants to go play for Josh McDaniels, why don't you go play on the varsity team, not the junior varsity <laughs> Patriots? So the Raiders are out. Oh, the Browns. How what was their uh, the the Sean Watson, DeAndre Hopkins? Their best they ever did was get uh, lost to the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's the ceiling. So that doesn't work. And if you're big on relationships, why don't you go back with your old coach, who's now the offensive coordinator of the Patriots and, by the way, is looking up to the greatest coach of all time. And then when we look at Greg's list, that all of a sudden went down. Yeah. You start off by saying, you know what, these teams have a little bit of cash to spend. Well, the Chiefs don't have any money. I know supposedly they're going to, you know, redo Chris Jones' deal to open up money, but right now they don't have any money. Mm -hmm. The Bills don't have any money, and they are insulting. Not only DeAndre Hopkins, but also the Kansas City Chiefs said you can come here on a discount if, you know, you want a ring chase. So, by that rationale, we are the number one team <laughs> in position to get DeAndre Hopkins. And now, Greg, last time you were on the show, or just not maybe not the last time, but recently, we saw this video of Mac Jones working out, getting stronger, working on his mobility, working on his flexibility. And I... Said I didn't like this. I'm more of a mean exactly. potato. Exactly. That's exactly why you know, I have them at three and not at one. Well, turns out the Patriots, who are no stranger to unconventional workouts for their quarterbacks, well, this yielded some beautiful fruit because once we got to a uh, little spring OTAs, uh-huh. there's Mac Jones. Oh my gosh, I can't even see that. I need to put my glasses on, dropping bombs. And then the other day, he was at a charity event and he threw a 70 yard pillowy ball you that can a child count caught. Look at hash marks. Look at that. 45 oh yards. Uh, yeah, but I think it's longer. Justin yeah. Jefferson just did that and hit the goalpost. I didn't see it. I think that was a, a fake commercial. So there you go. <laughs> so, uh, Patriots at number one. So, okay, let me ask you this, Greg. Where do you think he will go? I honestly think he'll end up. With the Titans, I thought so. I think there was a weird Vegas movement on I that saw yesterday. That. I didn't like that, I, and 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 largely because he's he's being honest, like he wants to get paid. So like, I, the, you, it's right. not even it, we'll for, pay you. I'm, it's yeah, it, it, like pay I know up. a lot of players make it seem like oh I want to win championships. If he wins, great. But ultimately, Deshaun or uh, DeAndre Hopkins wants to get paid. Which the and I don't begrudge anybody that. That's like no. Totally, you everyone can have their own priorities for you know their professional life. Obviously, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to make you upset. If DeAndre picks the Bills or the Chiefs, I don't think you should be bothered. I think it should be like, okay, because even you will acknowledge the Bills and the Chiefs, certainly the Chiefs, are far better positioned to win a championship than sure. the Patriots right now. If DeAndre picks the Titans, that wouldn't be great. I think it would be devastating That's, if you're the absolutely. Patriots. Because I would be imagine the money's around the same, and then that would be picking Tannehill slash Levis over Mac slash Zappi. We just Zappy. have to pay up. And we then, just have as, to pay up. Well, hey, please. you do. I mean, yeah, just do it. I mean, it's, the been love a, of God. It's, it's been a we did the celebration of his visit a month ago. Maybe we're freeing up more money. What, okay, maybe I, don't know, I gotta look at the cat. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's oh it. God. Welcome back to just an electric July show. An NFL poll of league executives, coaches, scouts, and players quote, has Travis Kelsey as the league's best tight end. That's good news. Jeremy Fowler writing, from 2020 to 2022, the voting for the best tight end was incredibly close. It was Kelsey was the Ferrari route runner with plenty of tread on the tires. Kittle was the off-road Hummer with hybrid sensibilities. 
This year's voting, not at all close. Marking a rare style of victory for this exercise. A 33-year-old at a skill position dominating the process. Nick, yeah. you must be thrilled. Well, I mean, you left out the key piece of information there. Yes, of course, Travis Kelsey won the poll. I assume they wouldn't have published it if they hadn't because they would have assumed there was some type of voter fraud or something going on. However, uh, wait, no, go back to what it said before there mm -hmm. on the screen if we could because the key information there is it said 80%. Yeah, and I, I dug, I dug into the metadata, the raw vote, as they, they say. Hey, there were 80 voters, and he got 80% of the first-place votes. That means 16 voters said, who's the best tight end in football? And didn't answer Travis Kelsey. I mean, Dallas Goddard got a first place vote. Obviously, Kittle got some. I think there was one voter that had, and I like the guy, Kyle Pitts ranked ahead of Kelsey. And one voter had him third. So you know what that unfortunately means, Wilds? And we got to put something on the board. Bring out the board. Dustin's the actually board. running the show. So Josh, Josh, Josh might be making his on screen debut. I didn't even know you still here. Josh, bring out the board if you will. I think Josh is hiding behind the yes, board. Josh is. is like the man in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't want people to see it. So Greg, you might not be familiar with Here's the, the board. full bulletin board. I can gather so what he's this doing is Jamar that. Chase because he once upon a time said Pat who when asked about Patrick Mahomes. This is my friend Orlando Brown who talked about how Joe Burrow's drops are better than Patrick That's Mahomes. Seven and a half, than twelve and a half. That one. This is Brandon Graham saying the Chiefs got blessed because of the field. And that's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's not even a eagle any longer, saying that uh, the defensive line would smash the offensive line. We now have to put Travis Kelsey on the board, which wow. is kind of weird because <laughs> he is on the Chiefs. Uh, so we put him on the board, and we then also add the 80% number for yeah. context to the board. Because let's be honest, Greg, this is disrespectful. Anyone arguing he's not the best tight end in football is given the Chiefs bulletin board material. I know you find me obnoxious, but you must admit I am correct on this. You are 100% correct you. on this. I, I would say you what's interesting, I didn't go as deep into... Dive into the metadata? I didn't go into okay. the metadata like you did. But yeah. I thought to myself, if there were another tight end that I would even give a nod in agreement, pending how you were viewing it, that would be Mark Andrews... Oh or George Kittle because of what they mean to their team. Not at all because I believe that they are better than Travis Kelsey, but they mean so much more to their team than any other tight end, not named Travis Kelsey, yep. that I can't give you just a list of good tight ends because you got Darren Wall, you got Kyle Pitts, you got obviously all these other tight ends that are good. TJ Hawkinson made a splash with the Minnesota Vikings. I think he's going to be great. That doesn't yep. mean he's the best tight end. But if you told me a couple people said – Man, what Mark Andrews means to that offense with Lamar Jackson, that quarterback, I'll give you that. But you said 16. 16? 16 people, including one person Adam third. I, I'm with you. Yeah, we got yeah. that's, that's, that's on the board. It deserves it's to be on, on the board. board. Thank you. I would say at this point we've got two real things on the board. Maybe, maybe three what real do you mean? things on the board. The what Pat who was obviously a real thing. That's a real yeah. thing. Mahomes was. And by the way, people on that, just note real quick, people said, what did you want him to say? Dallas Goddard, to his credit, was asked just the other day, I think on Pardon My Take, who's the best quarterback in football? And he said, he at first said Jalen, and then he stopped and he goes, well, he's definitely top two. Yes, and top, then, two, top three. two, top two, and then threw Patrick in there. So there is a way to do it. I still think love Travis will be upset by this. Not by the board, but I think this is legit bulletin board material. Yeah, that uh, one in five people, one in five people doesn't think he's the best in the league. Wow, oh, kind of ridiculous. Yeah. All right, here's Travis's all time. Uh, ranks for tight end, and we talk about can he get to goat status? Yeah, you know he's only number one in uh, yards per game receptions. A lot of the rest is just counting stats, which I'm not a huge fan of. But Nick, if you want to make him goat, do you think he needs to climb the ranks? He's a, listen, I think he's already the greatest tight end ever, hmm. and the one who's ahead in all the counting stats is another Chiefs legend in Tony Gonzalez. And I love Tony. Mm -hmm. I grew up going to all those games when he was a Chief before he left for the Falcons. And he was very good with the Falcons as well. And he's a colleague, and I, and I have nothing but respect for him. Travis Kelsey's better tight end than Tony Gonzalez. It, to me, that is undeniable. Now, Tony did it far longer, and we'll see. Mm -hmm. But to me, the debate is not between Travis and Tony. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect Tony. It's between Travis and Gronk. Those are the two best. They both have did it long enough to qualify, and their peaks are the highest. Mm -hmm. 
I think he's already better than Gronk. Oh. And if the counting stats are what we care about, we can show you the careers and we can look at it. Mm-hmm. So he's got him in yards. Gronk obviously has him by 23 touchdowns. He is almost double. Can we go back to that if that's possible? There we go. He's almost doubled up his thousand-yard seasons. The postseason yards. Kelsey has him by a bit and touchdowns by a bit, but obviously Travis is going to keep building on that. But the postseason stuff is what I want to focus on because this is Kelsey's playoff numbers, not amongst tight ends, amongst all players. Can we show it, please? Kelsey's all-time playoff numbers. It's Jerry Rice and him, 1-2 in everything, and he's actually number one in yards per game. You can make the argument that he is the second greatest postseason receiver mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. And so Who's in one third, do you know? Third all time in reception, a lot of those categories. Reception yards. Yeah. You know? to- uh, Gronk. Right. Oh, I thought it was for all I thought it was the I, I'm outside, pretty, outside of tight ends, I thought you were Oh, is it Julian Edelman yeah, in oh, receptions? Yeah. In yards, I think it's Gronk or oh. touchdowns, whatever. But yeah, Julian <laughs> Edelman. Sorry, I forgot we used to do that bit. Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't even thinking Look, about it. Look, for me, it, Travis Kelsey is the GOAT. It, it's – there's one stat that I, I don't know if we do it justice, and it's the seven 1,000-yard seasons. And they're seven. Those are consecutive. Yeah. Like, those are consecutive. And I know Mike, Mike Evans has done something tremendous with starting his career with nine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he continues that this year. We'll see. Yep. But Mike Evans is a receiver. We kind of expect receivers to be 1,000-yard leading receivers and and lead their team every year. Travis Kelsey, like seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. He's a receiver. But he's not. No, you can't can't say he, he receives the ball. He is a tight end. And we compare him and put him in the category with receivers because of how great he is. Like, what other tight end have we truly done that with? We haven't. I mean, Jimmy Graham would be the closest. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, Graham would, would be one impact. of the closest. You can make no, the my, case no, my thing on, on Gronk is, and it's not to take anything away from Travis, but there was games with Gronk and the Patriots where Belichick's like, hey, you're going to block all game. And Gronk would block all game and not even get a target, and, yeah. and we'd win the game. And I don't think that Travis is necessarily – can do that, but he doesn't need to do it. So it's kind of a weird. But, so there's, I guess my, and again, I think Gronk's second greatest tight end of all time. It, it and Gronk has four rings and Travis has two. But it should be noted, Gronk, one of those rings, Gronk got injured midseason, didn't play in the rest of the year, didn't play in the whole playoff run, and they won the Super Bowl anyway. Mm-hmm. So as far as Super Bowls played in that they've won, it's three to two. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I don't think Gronk has that I believe Kelsey has right now which is, take age out of it, if we're just talking about most impactful, I think Kelsey's the best skill position guy in the league. I think, there is, I think he has more day-to-day impact than any wide receiver, running back, or tight end. And I think he's the only tight end in league history that that was true about. That, you could, that last year, he was as great as Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Josh Jacobs, whoever the best wide receivers and running backs were. Mm-hmm. I think the most impactful offensive non-quarterback was Travis Kelsey. I don't think that was ever true for Gronk. I think he was the I, best red zone threat in the league. I don't but know. I don't, that's, where, that's where I – You think I, he might have been as well? Gronk, if you took the years Gronk was just out – just flat out 20 ridiculous. 20 touchdowns or 18 yeah. touchdowns like, a year? You, if you took him – if you removed him from that Patriots offense – they're not the same team. Like he was as valuable. I'm not. I'm not arguing that Travis That's Kelsey fair. is more valuable. But here's the Gronk other thing. But Gronk was covered. Nobody covers Travis Kelsey. <laughs> well, he has a lot to do with. He's that. wide open all the time. Right? <laughs> he has a lot. He's to do wide with open that. all the time. He has a lot to do with that. He, I know, but so does the defensive coordinator. <laughs> Got to cover him. Got to cover him. Just, just cover him. Man That's up. Why you kept telling people to do that, and they no one listens. They wouldn't listen. Man up. <laughs> hey, who's got him? Who's got Kelsey? <laughs> I would say it before every game. Someone need to raise their hand. Welcome back to an exciting Friday show. We've got another list from Greg. Because last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, led by the prince who was promised, made the trip from the basement to the playoffs. In 18 of the last 20 seasons, at least one team has done it. So who will go from worst to first this year? Greg has his top four candidates in a segment we've called First Things First, Worst to First. 
Take it away, Greg. Yes, last year we watched a prince rise Thank from you. the dark ashes Thanks. and oh, come to the top. I appreciate it. Shining with all. his I armor. I just did all those things. Yes, yeah. I know, but I was yeah. a fan. I, I, I was me, a fan. I yeah. wanted yeah. to acknowledge yeah. that. Now when we talk about this list, mm -hmm. there's four teams that I think have the opportunity to do something similar. At number four, the Cleveland Browns oh. and Deshaun Watson. Okay. Look, I, I like the Cleveland Browns. I like the situation that, situation that they're in because of the division that they're in. This division, they kind of beat up on one another. When you look at the Cleveland Browns, we break the season down into six games. And those are the six games that Deshaun Watson played. If you look at these numbers, the first four games that Deshaun Watson came out with the Cleveland Browns, we got to give him a pass. And he was clearly rusty. When you look at the numbers right there, total yards per game, 200. He couldn't throw a touchdown to save his life, was turning the ball over, 69.3% passer rating. But those last two games, it started to give me a little glimpse of what may be to come. And in a division where there was one clear outright team that was just better than everybody else, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals, you obviously improved with the Ravens. But the Cleveland Browns, you got to believe if Deshaun Watson is able to get anywhere close to what he was in Houston with the talent that they're bringing in, Elijah Moore, obviously, Amari Cooper, I believe he's the number one guy. I know he is. The defense that they have, they run the ball very well. They got a chance to go from worse to first. So, again, they, to be fair here, they're, so they're number four. There's they're only, number four. There's only eight available options. So, I'm not. it's not like Greg is outright picking this, but he's saying that they, they, they're on the board. My concern for the Browns, in addition to the fact I'm not sure how great of a coach Stefanski is, is very simple on I don't know how much – the essentially two years out of football, plus the awful off-field stuff that follows Deshaun and that he carries with him, take any of the other facets of it aside, all of that, it wouldn't be outrageous to say he's not going to be the same guy. That the guy he was three years ago in Houston, that that player is gone. And they have no path forward other than him being awesome. And I know he was better in those last two games. I just don't know if Deshaun Watson's ever going to be awesome again. And if he's not, I don't know in that division what real chance they have. That's if, if he's not awesome, then they, they won't yeah, go I mean, he's got to be first. Awesome. He's got to be awesome. At number four, I'm going to nope. take you down to the Dirty South. Oh, good. In the NFC Dirty South. And that's the Atlanta Falcons. Oh. Uh, and this one is pretty straightforward. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of statistics. Look, they were 7-10. and 10. The team that won the division played with a 45-year-old quarterback named Tom Brady, and they were 8-9. and nine. This, this division is up for grabs. There's a lot of exciting young players in Atlanta. Hey, yeah. Ritter, Desmond Ritter, go get you a division title. That's all I do got for think, the Falcons. But do, I do like this young team. Do you think B. John Robinson could be the best running back in the league? Absolutely. Without Immediate, doubt. Immediately. With, immediately. That's with the, the usage path. rate, with how, how we saw Saquon being used with the Giants, it's going to be that on steroids. Literally. Bijan Robert, he's a better catcher out of the backfield. I believe he's an even better runner. He's a more physical runner. I love this kid. There's nothing he can't do. And you add him with Kyle Pitts and young receiving core. Why do you think they haven't unlocked Pitts? Pitts was a top That's, 10 pick as a tight end. He's he unbelievable in college. And it feels like I, the fantasy football players I know can empathize with this. I'm a big fantasy guy. But I, there would be weeks where it looked like he wasn't even part of the game plan. Like, that part I don't understand. Well, well, you look at who was quarterbacking last year with Marcus Mariota. Like, he just didn't seem like he was making him a part of what they were doing okay. offensively. I'm not putting that all on Marcus Mariota. Obviously, you got to scheme a guy who's that athletic and who gives you that many matchup situations in your favor. you got to put him in position to be successful. They'll do that this year. Right, I'm curious. To the, I think we're going to have the same number one. So, I'm curious who you got. So, go ahead. You think we're going to have the same we, well, number one? Number two. I don't know who you have. There's only six possibilities. Well, number two, I got the Jets. Oh, then we might. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I Do got the, the Jets. Jets at number two. And, again, you know how I feel about this division. The Buffalo Bills and the Dolphins are still the better teams. But if there is a team that can jump from worst to first – 
Well, you know they're going to jump over the Patriots. That's an easy no-brainer. Why do we know that? But can you jump over the other two teams? Well, if I have a ch- if I want a chance to do that, what do I go do? I go get one of the best quarterbacks arguably to ever play this game oh, and pair him with a lot of what came <laughs> over from Green Bay, which he had success with, and insert it into a Jets culture that is not accustomed Jets to winning. Culture. They got a chance. So hold on. So now if he, because he's, the Jets have been so bad, that's a plus for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? Well, we're talking worse to first. Oh, like, they gosh. can go from worse to first. Greg, they, you know that he hasn't thrown for 300 yards in over 23 games? What What was that stat? You know, he, Aaron Rodgers has not thrown for over 300 yards in 23 games. Do you feel like that's just a, a, a coincidence, or do you about, think that's... About, I guarantee he throws for over 300 yards. In week one? Season. Because it'll be week one, you're it'll going be 20, against the it'll Bills. Be 24 games. Now you you know how I feel about okay, the then first you got, six then, games. Then you got Dallas. I think you got Dallas. You got the Patriots. I, you got Kansas me. City. I got them going one and five in the first six games. So, it, so it, but it, they're going to go one and five. He's giving the teams that could go worse to first. Do you want to well, know the five teams well, he that keeps are left? On banging on the Patriots the five, unnecessarily. The, here are the so there, you only you have one pick left. I, I just do. want the audience to know who the possibilities are. The possibilities are the Texans in the AFC South. Yes. The Bears in the NFC North. The Cards in the NFC West, Washington no, in the NFC East, and the Broncos in the NFC West. I think we're going to have the same number one, Greg. I've circled mine. I'm I saw who you circled. Oh, yours. Oh, here we go. Blackout, New York City. Uh, go ahead, Greg. Who's number Can one? Can I peek and see if no, you circled I... the Broncos? Oh, this is such a bad pick. Love it. The Broncos. This is such a bad pick. Uh, look, look. Uh, let me, let me, let me break this down okay, for you really quick. Okay, break it down. Like, the Broncos, albeit they were the worst team in the division. Yeah. But the expectations going into last season was that they could potentially contend for a Super Bowl yeah, with that, Russell Wilson yeah, and dumb. Nathaniel Hackett at mm-hmm. head coach. That didn't work out. No. Scrap it. Throw it away. Bring in Sean Payton. Okay. What happens automatically, you start changing some things. You understand that Russell Wilson's going to be better. He's not going to be as bad or worse as he was last season. you got to believe he's going to improve. And this team, towards the end of the season, after the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, started getting together. One of the things that's been a constant when you, we look at this Broncos team is their defense. Their defense is really good, Nick. And I know you know that their defense is really good because stats don't lie. Okay. Third down percentage, <coughs> like second. Like this defense has gotten – they improved by some of the te- people that they even added to the roster. Offensively, all you need to know if you are a Bronco fan is that you got Sean Payton and all will be well. The, Broncos like country. Like, less ride. Okay, that's, so, that's right, a lot. Here's that's the problem. Probably too much. All right, here's the problem. Unless, now granted, I've been very locked in to the NBA playoffs and free agency, now watching Wimbledon, so maybe some NFL news missed my desk. But if they did some new thing where, like, do teams, you know, the Premier League, you have relegation and promotion. Mm-hmm. Did the Chiefs get promoted out of the AFC West to some higher level? They did not. Oh, so, so they're still in that. it? Okay. So here are some, just some quick numbers on why no one can win the AFC West but the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes has played 30 career games against the AFC West. He is 27-3. and three. He has played, let me check, 11 games against the Broncos. He is 11-0. This is going to change. Okay, well, I mean, do you know how many times the Broncos, Raiders, or Chargers have beaten Patrick Mahomes in their stadium? How many times the, the a division, AFC West team has been like, come down, you're going to get to see us beat Patrick? The answer is zero. There, he's 16-0 on the road he's in the 16 division. 0? He's 16 and 0. He's 16-0 really? in don't, road divisional games. I mean, dating back to his first start of his career, his rookie year against Denver. Almost as good as the Patriots against the Jets. <laughs> no, no, it is the, it is as good. They because they won. They beat the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was September of 2015. Okay. September, it was the Obama presidency. Nick. Yeah. Nick, I, I understand that I struck a chord. Well, because it was just I, I, a bad I'm, take. I'm not at all. I'm not at all saying that the Kansas City Chiefs' chance to go to the Super no, Bowl is over. No, but you, had, you said the Broncos have the best yeah. chance. But just because the, the Broncos yeah. can win the division doesn't mean that the Kansas City okay. Chiefs doesn't have an opportunity to win no, the Super Bowl. No, but it wouldn't they mean the Arrowhead Invitational is canceled, which, and we know that can't That's happen. That's over. The, it, I, can I make the case – First, that the Broncos were actually worse than people think last wow. year. All right, sure. They had five wins. The first one was against Houston. 
The second one was a one-point victory when Jimmy G safetyed himself. Remember that one? Well, he was pressured into a safety. The, the, the fourth one was against Arizona. And the last one was the Chargers' final week of the year when the Chargers, like, didn't have to play, but they were playing. And then they did beat the Prince, but as remember, that was overseas. He had a lot of pressure, you know, yeah. royal family in town. It's very <laughs> awkward playing in England for him, so it was tough. They had no good wins. Why do the Bears not make your list? If the, Justin Fields is a monster, that's it. The, the NFC North has no established I'm great I'm excited team. about the Bears, but after watching the Lions, I know what it takes. Like, you have a team that, like, just like the Lions, I believe that they'll be that team that the Lions was last year. Mm-hmm. They, are, they have a year before they really find out how to win games. They're going to be in a lot of close games. They're not going to win more, more, than, more of those games than they'll lose those games. That's why I didn't okay. pick the Bears. So I thought the, I, the reason I was saying I thought we were going to have the same one is my top pick of those would probably be the Bears. Just because the division's soft and if it, the Bears could be terrible, but if Fields leaps and they've now finally gotten some offensive linemen, gotten him some weapons, you saw flashes from him last year, the Bears in that division I think have a real shot.